What is up everyone? It's Quinn here. And in this video, I'm going to be going through some of the top waiver wire targets heading into week six of the fantasy football season. So these are going to be players that are available in 60% or more leagues using the ESPN waiver wire. I dropped it down to sub 40% ownership down from 50 just to kind of get rid of like those leagues that aren't really active anymore on ESPN. So we're going sub 40% ownership. If you guys enjoy the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Any fantasy questions, drop them down below. I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as I can. But let's dive into the running back position. And we're going to start it off here with Roshan Johnson. So he actually left the Thursday night game with a concussion. And really things were not trending in the right direction for Roshan Johnson. He had kind of worked his way into somewhat of a 50-50 split with him and Khalil Herbert through the first like three weeks. Then week four, we saw Khalil Herbert just totally take over the backfield. Weren't really sure how that was going to look heading into Thursday night football. But from what we saw when Roshan was on the field, it did seem like Herbert was still operating as the clear number one. Now, Roshan Johnson was still getting out there, but it definitely wasn't the 50-50 split that we had seen throughout the first three weeks. Then Roshan Johnson leaves with a concussion and it's like, all right, he may really now get phased out of this backfield. But then we see Khalil Herbert, unfortunately, mess up his ankle now we're getting reports that it is a high ankle sprain and he's expected to miss around a few weeks. So Roshan Johnson could realistically be back for that week six game because it's not just the week turnaround. He'll have like a week and a half and then he could end up being this team's clear running back one for at least a few games. This rushing attack has looked a lot better over the past two weeks. If he's operating as the workhorse, he has that receiving upside. And this also gives him the opportunity to carve out a role long term, right? If Khalil Herbert was starting to pull away, now Roshan Johnson gets a crack at that RB1 spot. If Khalil Herbert comes back, Roshan Johnson could have already you know, locked up that running back one spot or at least work this into some sort of committee. So I do think Roshan Johnson should be the top priority pickup if he is available on your waiver wire. Then we're gonna go to someone who is probably available on every single waiver wire, and that is Amari DiMercato. He is rostered in under 1% of leagues, and we saw James Conner leave with a knee injury. I think it was early in the second quarter. And then Keontae Ingram, who had kind of been the Cardinals running back two, at least to start off the season, he's been out with a neck injury. So we had DiMercato kind of step in here to be the clear next best running back. Once James Conner was out, DiMercato was the only other running back who took a snap. I guess you could say uh, Rondell Moore came in and took some rush attempts, but he's more classified as a wide receiver, but he did kind of filter in. But really, I mean, this was DiMercato's backfield. So if James Conner does end up missing some time, he could potentially be playable. Log 10 carries for 45 rushing yards and a touchdown three targets, one reception, 12 yards. Even if Keontae Ingram ends up getting healthy, who knows if he's 100%. Obviously, neck injuries are not something you want to mess around with. So definitely someone who's pretty much going to be available in every single league, um, depending on how you know deep the waivers are. He could end up being the best option for you and could end up starting for the uh, Cardinals heading into their week six matchup. Now, the next running back is going to be Justice Hill. And I feel like every week we just go back and forth on Justice Hill and Gus Edwards as like a waiver wire target. Justice Hill is rostered in 23.9% of leagues. And we did see Gus Edwards out carry Justice Hill 12 to 6. But, you know, per usual, Justice Hill was more involved as a pass catcher. He ran seven more routes. He was in on all the two-minute drill snaps. And then he also took four of the five goal line snaps, which is kind of important going forward. This is not a spot where I think like Justice Hill is running away with the RB1 role or even that Gus Edwards is running away with the top role. 
I think this is probably going to be a gross split moving forward. But if you're in super deep leagues with not a ton of options on waivers, bye weeks could be hitting you hard. You know, Justice Hill at some point could become playable in your lineup if you are desperate. So someone who should be rostered in more leagues. And then we're going to have Tajay Spears, who's rostered in just over a quarter of ESPN leagues. And this was a legit split between him and Derrick Henry in a competitive game script. Typically, the games where we see Tajay Spears play a lot of snaps, the Titans are down, they're trying to come from behind. That is not what happened in this game. It was a close game pretty much the entire time. Derrick Henry took 13 carries to Tajay Spears 7. Spears out-targeted Henry 5-3. to three. So we had 12 opportunities for Spears, 16 for Henry. That is not a huge difference. We also saw Tajay Spears score the team's uh, only touchdown, and then he was actually more efficient on the ground and through the air. So I still think Derrick Henry is going to lead this backfield in opportunities, but this is a huge hit for Derrick Henry week to week. The fact that Spears is eating into his workload in a game they're, they're competitive in, that is not a good sign. For Tajay Spears, he had already locked down that handcuff role a few weeks ago, but now he's potentially turning into a spot where he may have weekly value, like in a great matchup with bye weeks injuries on your roster, Tajay Spears wouldn't be the worst bet um, in certain weeks to plug into your matchup. Now, another backfield that's kind of turned into a committee here, we have Chuba Hubbard, who's rostered in 18.1% of leagues, and we actually saw Chuba Hubbard outsnap Miles Sanders. He also took more carries and was targeted more times than Miles Sanders. And Sanders had been dealing with a groin injury, but he actually didn't have an injury designation leading into this game. So maybe it's still bothering him. Maybe it's not. But this was a full-on split. Uh, Miles Sanders also lost a fumble. So it's not like he's outperforming Chuba Hubbard in this split. He obviously had a costly mistake. So I think at this point, I mean, Chuba has handcuff value, but he also has a shot to just end up leading this backfield. Like that doesn't seem crazy at this point. If they're 50-50 and Sanders isn't playing all that well, Chuba could end up turning this into like a 60-40 thing. Not saying it's going to happen or that you'd even want to start him in that situation, but definitely someone who should be on your radar if he is not rostered. Then we're going to have Kendra Miller, who's rostered in 12.3% of leagues, and he finally kind of worked his way into the Saints offense. He logged 12 carries, 4 targets. Now, this was definitely a uh, blowout win here for the Saints, but I do think that in an ideal world, they want to use two running backs. I mean, if we just look at their offseason moves, right, they had Kamara, but it seems like they don't want him to be the workhorse because they went out, they signed Jamal Williams in free agency, and then they doubled down on another kind of early down back and drafted Kendra Miller with a day two draft capital. So with Jamal Williams out, this really is Kendra Miller's opportunity to kind of make his case to be that running back too. So he's kind of going to need to make a stand within the next two weeks um, before Jamal Williams has the opportunity to come off of IR. But if he can make that stand, you know, splitting the Saints backfield could end up being a valuable position. And then the rest of these running backs here are just going to be handcuffs. So Kenneth Gainwell, rostered in 37% of leagues. Swift is the clear running back one, but he is going to be the top handcuff there. Zach Charbonnet, uh, rostered in 36% of leagues on by. Could potentially keep getting more work, but at this point, he is the clear-cut Kenneth Walker handcuff. Tank Bigsby with the Travis Etienne handcuff. And then Rico Dowdle, uh, rostered in way less leagues than the rest of these guys. The Tony Pollard handcuff. Now, shifting over to the wide receiver position, we're going to start it off with my guy Josh Downs, who's rostered in 11% of leagues. This was the best game of his uh, career. Six receptions for 96 yards. I think Downs could end up being a potential flex option, especially with Minshew at quarterback. There's just going to be more volume. Obviously, Richardson is not going to be using his legs as much, more touchdown upside um, through the air. 
So we'll see how long Minshew's the quarterback for. I still think even if Richardson is back in uh, week six, I still think Downs should definitely be picked up. I always talk about this in this waiver wire video, but when rookies start to flash some talent, you want to go out, you want to pick them up. But for Minshew specifically, um, when he started in week three, Josh Downs was targeted 12 times. So they clearly have some sort of chemistry. Downs is going to see more volume with Minshew at quarterback. And I really like him as a uh, pickup this week. Then we're going to have Josh Reynolds, who is rostered in 23.6% of leagues. And he had a big week five with Amon Ross St. Brown out. He was targeted five times, caught four of them for 76 receiving yards and a touchdown. He's averaging 12.6 PPR points per game on the season. So I don't know if you love him in your lineup week to week, but if you're desperate, I think he could end up being a flex play, like when you're dealing with buys, injuries. I think Jamison Williams still has an opportunity to be involved. I will talk about him in a few players, but it doesn't look like he's going to make some sort of immediate impact here. I still think Josh Reynolds is going to have that wide receiver two role locked down, at least at this point. Um, and he'll probably be the wide receiver one if Amon Ra continues to miss time. So I do think he's worth a pickup. Then we are going to have Rasheed Rice, who is rostered in 21.4% of leagues. And unfortunately, his routes kind of continue to fluctuate up and down despite him producing when given the opportunity. So he only ended up running 10 routes on 43 dropbacks, which is a very, very poor route participation, sub 25%. That's rough. And that's after he kind of got bumped up um, in week four. But on those 10 routes, he was targeted on five of them. So a 50% target rate is impressive, turned it into four receptions for 33 yards and a touchdown. This is just a situation where we're going to have to be patient. He's producing. He just needs the opportunities. On a top offense, if he is able to get that solid starting role, he becomes very, very valuable moving forward. So you probably just need to stash him. Wouldn't trust him week to week, but you just got to hope that role starts to expand. Then we're going to have Zay Jones, who's rostered in 35.6% of leagues. He catches three passes for 23 yards and a touchdown in his first game back, but then he leaves in the third quarter with a knee injury. I do think Zay Jones is someone who's playable if he can stay on the field, but he's missed two games. Then he leaves early here in week five. Can't trust the health at this point, but I do think when healthy, he could be someone you slide into your flex spot. Then we're going to have J-Mo mentioned him when I was talking about Josh Reynolds. He actually puts together a 50% route participation, which isn't too bad, but he only gets targeted three times, catches two of them for two yards. So, you know, pretty much nothing in terms of fantasy production. I still think he's worth a stash just due to that role being semi-open as the wide receiver too, plus the talent we saw in college. He's definitely not playable in the short term. I wouldn't be shocked if J-Mo kind of ends up being a bust at this point, just with what we've seen through like a year and a half, but I still think for fantasy, especially in deeper leagues, he's definitely worth rostering just in case he does start to break out because this is a very impressive Lions offense. If he could lock down that wide receiver two spot, he'd be very interesting. Um, behind JMO, we have Curtis Samuel, who's rostered in 13.7% of leagues. And Curtis Samuel just continues to benefit from the commanders refusing to heavily target their top weapons. Guys like uh, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Every week, it seems like they are underutilized in that offense. Curtis Samuel is averaging 12.3 PPR points per game and has gone for at least 50 yards in four of those five games. So I don't really love the idea of like picking up these veteran wide receivers who don't have much of a ceiling, but with bye weeks, injuries, like I've talked about with some of these other guys, it's not the worst option if you want to throw them into your flex. You kind of know what you're getting at this point. But if you want some sort of like long-term upside play, I'd much rather snag one of these younger options that I've talked about or I'm about to talk about. 
um, instead of going out and picking up a guy like Curtis Samuel to just kind of ride on your bench. Like if he's going to be locked on your bench, I'd rather just take a flyer on one of these young guys. And now getting into a lot of those rookies, we have Jonathan Mingo rostered in 8.6% of leagues. He logs in 84% raw participation, um, had the second most targets on the team. I believe it was seven, catches five passes for 48 yards. This was the best game of his career. It's encouraging that when he's coming back, he's getting those starter snaps. And I just think he's going to have the opportunity to improve throughout the season. Bryce Young has struggled, but we're still semi-early on. Um, If they can continue to develop together, he could be interesting down the stretch. Another rookie, Marvin Mims, really did nothing offensively. I think he actually lost a fumble. He might have lost two fumbles, Um, so not great. One was like a muffed punt. Rostered in 16.2% of leagues. He still didn't see a bump in his usage. It's unfortunate. He's been a big play machine when he's gotten the ball. Another situation where we're just going to have to wait here. I do think it's possible a guy like Jerry Judy potentially gets traded. Uh, Broncos clearly aren't competitive. I think he was in trade talks throughout the offseason. So maybe Judy gets traded, kind of opens something up for Marvin Mims. But right now, there's just not a super clear pathway to getting uh, wide receiver one routes with Judy and Sutton there as the top two guys. Uh, Michael Wilson had a really impressive week four, kind of came back down to earth here in week five. Not saying he's cooked or anything, rostered in 25% of leagues. Just a spot you're going to have to wait and see on. Obviously, wouldn't trust him week to week at this point. And then Jaden Reed. Haven't seen him on Monday night. I'm pretty interested in seeing what the uh, Packers wide receiver usage looks like. Personally, I'm hoping that we see Watson back up to a full role, operating as the wide receiver one. And then I'd expect Dobbs to be the wide receiver two with Jaden Reed getting wide receiver three routes. That's what I would predict and kind of hope for. But we'll see what that role looks like. He has been pretty impressive um, four games into his NFL career. Now, shifting over to the quarterback position, not a ton of great streaming options. We've got two here. The first one's going to be Matthew Stafford, rostered in 33.9% of leagues. Cup came back, looked 100%, didn't seem like he was injured, fell off, none of it. He looked great. I really think this trio of Cup, Puka, and Tutu looks pretty dangerous moving forward. He also has a great matchup against the Cardinals in week six, so I do like him as a streaming option. And then the second option is going to be Sam Howell, rostered in 17.4% of leagues. He's averaging 16.4 points per game on the season, and he's been solid in 80% of his games. So 15 plus points in four of those five games. He just had the one really, really bad performance. I think it was against the Bills. Um, He doesn't have a great matchup here against the Falcons, but it's probably slim pickings on the waiver wire at this point. Uh, Richardson potentially out was like a starter. I believe the Packers have a bye. So if you had love of Richardson, you may be in need of a streamer. Sam Howell could potentially be that option. And then also slim pickings here at the tight end position. We're going to start off with Luke Musgrave, who's playing tonight, uh, rostered in just under a quarter of leagues. He's led the Packers in routes run weeks one through three. I feel like I talk about that a ton, but I do think it's important. He left week four with a concussion, so we didn't really get to see much out of him. But that type of usage for a rookie is very encouraging moving forward. So I do think he's worth a pickup. We'll see what he does tonight. And then the other guy is Logan Thomas. He's rostered in under 10% of ESPN leagues. He goes out on Thursday night football, 78% route participation. He ran the second most routes behind Terry McLaurin. So more than Curtis Samuel, more than Jahan Dotson. He was targeted 11 times, caught nine of them for 77 yards and a touchdown. And he's probably one of the only viable waiver wire options out there. 
even though personally, like I wouldn't love firing up Logan Thomas as like my starting tight end in week six, you could do much worse. And there's also not a lot of tight ends who even have the ceiling to be able to give you a nine for 77 and a touchdown. We just saw Logan Thomas do it. So definitely someone I had to mention here. And then looking at the defensive streaming options, not a ton of great options this week, but we do have a couple here. Um, Raiders who are rostered in less than 1% of leagues going up against the Patriots. This is just fading the Patriots offense at this point, not overly high in the Raiders defense. That Patriots offense has just looked really rough as of late. Then we have the Jaguars rostered in 15% of leagues going up against the Colts. They hung pretty tough against the Bills. Colts uh, could be without Anthony Richardson, decent streaming option. Then we have the Rams rostered in just over 1% of leagues going up against the Cardinals. Cardinals kind of came back down to earth in week five. Rams defense, not terrible. Um, obviously lost to the Eagles, but that's a clearly a tougher matchup than the Cardinals here. Then we have the Falcons rostered in 2.8% of leagues going up against the Commanders. Falcons defense has been solid. Commanders offense coming off a kind of a down game against the Bears. Um, and then the Vikings also rostered in 2.8% of leagues. Might feel risky going up against the Bears. The Vikings defense hasn't been great. Bears have been impressive the last two weeks, but who knows if that's sustainable. I wouldn't love it, but we're kind of getting into, you know, some less than ideal options here in terms of streaming defenses. But those are the five that were available in less than 40% uh, of leagues. But that is going to wrap it up for the top waiver wire targets heading into week six. If you guys have any fantasy questions, drop them down below. If you're interested in my trade target videos, uh, buy lows and sell highs will both be posted today. As always, thank you for stopping by and I will see you all in the next one.